keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Wednesday, December the 15th. The tyranny of scientism. Do we have an obligation to rebel to bring about a just society? We're going to have that conversation coming up at 35 past the hour with Mark Burness from newpolity.com. That's newpolity.com. It'll be a bit of a philosophical conversation, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make it more interesting, I promise. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. In uh, the 15 after what's concerning us section, there are a couple of stories that I like to, that I think are concerning to me, and I'm sure to some of you that I would like to uh, jump into. For instance, pop star Billie Eilish. I know, uh, I know Rudy's probably a huge fan. Uh, she has come out to say porn is an utter disgrace. It destroyed her brain. I mean, where's my duh button when you need it? Uh, I, but we're going to conversate about duh. that coming up. There you go. Coming up at 15 past the hour. Uh, good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, listeners. Huge fan of Billie Eilish, are you? No. Do you have the original vinyl collection? I mean, like, uh, how, how extensive <laughs> is this Is this uh, fascination with Billie Eilish that you have? Not, not a fan, to be honest with you. So denial is also a problem you have. Yeah, I have to confess that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I honestly have never heard a single song from this person, Billie Eilish. Not a single one. I've heard one, and it's very annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. <gasps> Good Ouch. morning to you, Adrian. Uh, what? No, I meant like you're here, bright and shiny. Annoying. Uh-huh. I didn't. I see. I, wasn't I understand. To, no, mm, I get it. I get no. it. I, my parents say the same thing. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, no, but Billie Eilish, she's uh, demonic, definitely, hundred percent. You're not a fan, right? No, she's uh, she's her. She has a lot of satanic imagery in her music videos. There, it's quite vile, actually. So where is that dub button again? I mean, like, duh. <laughs> so <laughs> she's uh, so yeah. So I mean, praise be to God. There's uh, people more and more people that are uh, secular and in secular media. Are coming figuring around this out to, the hard yes, way. are figuring out the hard way exactly the hard way yeah. that pornography is bad for them. Well, uh, well, and praise be to God for that. But definitely, we shouldn't rally behind these people and make them into like, oh, oh my God. Every time, every time anybody, and we're getting way off topic. Right. Well, yeah. Anytime <laughs> any any conservative or liberal or famous person says one good thing, everybody yeah. flips out and starts like join jumping on that bandwagon. Yeah, I'm like, guys, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You don't want to be on that bandwagon. Just. If, a broken clock is right twice a day. So there you go. Did you get it out? You feel I got better? it out. I got you, it out. Do you feel better now? Just wanted to warn people. <laughs> okay. Just because she says something nice, don't go looking her up and listening to her stuff. Yeah, don't do so, it. There, uh, you go. there you go. College you is, Adrian. You don't have any Despite opinion. the fact. You don't have any opinions about any of that, Despite do you? the fact that Billie Eilish is a Satanist, All it's I was still good to be here. If you listen to her God. music, but okay. <laughs> wow. I guess uh, that's now no longer a topic to conversate because we just took <laughs> care of that. So. We'll talk about something else, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, there are going to be a lot of other great conversations this hour and the next hour, by the way. If you can join us, we'd love to have you. We'll have a Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus breaking news and stories coming up here in a moment. And then, as I said, Mark Burness will be our conversation at 35 past the hour from newpolity.com. And then we have our game show next hour. Prizes are involved, and we did reveal the mystery sponsor for this week. Uh, and uh, remind me once again, uh, Rudy, who was that? 
Veritas Catholic Illustrations. Nice. And you were very excited about this They one. make awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. They we, really do. These are custom prayer cards that we're giving away. They're so mm-hmm. good. And I follow them on Twitter. I interact with them on Twitter. And it's so good. How's it go? So good. No, no. The other part? There you go. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic. All right. Praise be to God. We're going to dive into this hour. We're going to pray for all those souls that are wrapped up in the evilness of pornography addiction. We're going to pray for their, for their release from captivity. May God grant them many graces and healing. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning, everyone. I'm Rudy Carlos. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Let's dive right into your headlines for today. The Blaze reports Kroger strips paid emergency leave, jacks up health insurance premiums for unvaccinated employees. Starting next year, the Cincinnati-based company will no longer provide two weeks of paid emergency leave to unvaccinated employees who become infected with COVID-19, the Wall Street Journal reported on Tuesday. The paper noted that Kroger also plans to add a $50 monthly surcharge to company health plans for salaried non-union employees who are unvaccinated. Both policies are set to take effect on January 1st. According to the Associated Press in an email to employees, Kroger leadership said the company would still offer various leave options for employees who contract the virus, including earned paid leave and uh, and the ability to apply for unpaid leave. The company, but that paid special leave would now only be available to fully vaccinated employees. Excuse me. The company's policy changes fall short of a vaccine mandate. Rather, they aim to pressure employees to get vaccinated by making life more difficult for those who choose not to do so, or in this case, more expensive. The critics of the policy say that the stripping paid leave for unvaccinated employees is risky at a time when a country when the country is already dealing with a labor shortage. Furthermore, the policy may unintentionally encourage hourly workers who desperately need the income to come to work, even if they're sick with the virus. O.J. Simpson, uh, sorry, AP reports O.J. Simpson, a completely free man, parole ends in Nevada. And The Hill reports Trump Media Company links Inc.'s deal with video platform Rumble. The Trump Media and Technology Group, TMTG, announced in a statement on Tuesday that it has entered into a wide-ranging technology and cloud services agreement with Rumble Incorporated. TMTG said Rumble will deliver video and streaming for Truth Social, the company's new social media network, unveiled in October. Trump's company also said the two firms are in ex- exclusive negotiations for Rumble to provide infrastructure and video delivery services for TMTG's subscription video on demand product. TMTG called Rumble a high growth neutral video distribution platform. The group's website says it creates technologies that are immune to cancel culture. And it's a platform for people with something to say and something to share who believe in authentic expression and want to control the value of their own creations. One America News reports conservative, conservative revolt over COVID curbs deals, uh, stinging, excuse me, conservative revolt over COVID curbs deals stinging blow to UK Prime Minister Johnson. Almost 100 conservative lawmakers voted on Tuesday against new coronavirus restrictions, dealing a major blow to Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Uh, 
Boris Johnson's authority and raising questions about his leadership. After a day of frenzied failed lobbying, Johnson was handed the biggest rebellion against his government so far by his party over measures he said were necessary to curb the spread of the new Omicron variant. The new rules, which included ordering people to wear masks in public places and use COVID-19 passes for some venues, passed largely thanks to the main opposition, Labour Party. But the revolt piles pressure on Johnson already under fire over scandals, such as reported parties in his Downing Street office last year, when Britain was in COVID-19 lockdown, and pricey refurbishment of his apartment. Rebelling lawmakers said the vote was a warning shot that he needed to change how the government was operating, or he would face a leadership challenge. And The Hill reports California regulators vote to outlaw new gas-powered lawnmowers and leaf blowers by 2024. That actually includes um, uh, generators as well. So Milan LaBay, come and take them. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Maria de Rosa. She was born in November 6, 1813. And she has a great story. The pounding on the barricade door of the military hospital sent every heart thunder, thudder, thudding in terror. In the middle of the war in Bresca, Italy in 1848, the wounded, the sick, and those who cared for them knew what the pounding meant. The shouts from beyond the door came from soldiers not obeying any command, but their inner desire to destroy and plunder. Who could do anything to stop them? The only people there were some sisters, the handmaids of charity, who devoted themselves to helping the sick. The doctors had not even wanted them there. The doctors wanted medical people who were secular and military, not nuns. And in the face of this new danger, they were even more useless. Worse than useless because that Paula de Rosa was actually moving to open the door. When the door swung open, the soldiers saw their way blocked with a great crucifix held by Paula de Rosa and two candles held by two of the six sisters who stood by her. Suddenly, their frenzy to destroy disappeared, and full of shame before this display of courage and faith, they slunk back into the shadows. Born in 1813, she had tackled enormous projects from the time she was 17, arranging retreats and special missions of her, for her parish, and setting up a women's guild. Because of all she had accomplished, when she was only 24, she had asked her supervisor uh, to become a supervisor of a workhouse for poor girls. She later quit the workhouse and set up a boarding house for poor girls while helping her brother with his school for the deaf and the mute. At 27, she stood before another door. She was appointed superior of the Handmaids of Charity, a religious society whose purpose was to get, dedicate all their time and attention to the suffering in hospitals. Then in 1848, her whole life seemed to fall apart. War started in Europe and her homeland was invaded and her closest friends died. War meant that many would be wounded and displaced by the war. And so she and her sisters went to work at military hospitals and even went out to the battlefield to give spiritual and physical comfort to the wounded and the dying. De Rosa died at a hospital in Bresca on 15th of December, 1855, after suffering for a, from a prolonged illness. She was canonized on the 12th of June, 1954, by Pius XII. St. Maria de Rosa Pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 23. At that time, John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? When the men came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? At that time, Jesus cured many 
of their diseases, sufferings, and evil spirits. He also granted sight to many who were blind. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news proclaimed to them, and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose would say, The law then announces that Christ will come. The writings of the gospel prove that he has come. He goes on to say, The words of the prophet Isaiah are not less descriptive of the promised Messiah. God himself will come and will save you. Then shall the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame man shall leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall be free. Isaiah 35. I love this particular passage because it's one of these passages where it's sort of, in many people, it plants a seed of doubt. You know, you well know. I'm a huge critic of the song, Mary Did You Know. I could almost envision the song, John Did You Know right? Based on this passage. Golly, you is, John. You're supposed to be the great uh, prophet in the wilderness, the one making straight the path. Did you not know? I mean, your own cousin, how could you not know? And the answer is, of course he knew. Of course he knew. Yes, he knew. John knew too. That would be my response if such a song did exist. But Ignatius Catholic Commentary points this out. John knows the Messiah is coming, but is uncertain whether Jesus fits the description. He may have been influenced by popular views that the Messiah would reign as king in Jerusalem and conquer the Romans. Jesus makes no no moves in this direction, and John naturally wants reassurance. Okay, fine, fair enough, but here's what uh, the Venerable Bede says. He says not, art thou he that hast come, but art thou he that should come? The sense is, tell me who am, who tell me who am about to be slain by Herod and about to descend into hell ad inferna, whether I should announce to the, to the souls below as I have announced to the souls above. Or is this not befitting the Son of God, and thou art going to send another for these sacraments? I love that. That's a powerful look from Venerable Bede on who John is and what he actually believes. I'll give you more on the next hour from St. Ambrose, who had a lot to say about what John did or did not know on this particular passage. But we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. What's concerning us is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Many Protestants believe Christians can be absolutely sure they're going to heaven because John tells us in 1 John 5.13, I write this that you may know you have eternal life. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, John writes in the next verse, and this is the confidence which we have in him. 
For John, the knowledge we have of our salvation is not a certainty without doubt, but a confident assurance. And that's the Catholic belief. Second, we know this is what John means because in verse 15, he draws a parallel between our knowledge of salvation and our knowledge that God grants our requests. Do we have absolute certitude that God will grant our requests? No, but we are confident he will answer. So, Catholics need not worry. John is not teaching Protestant doctrine here. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Mark Burness from New Polity is going to be our guest to talk about the tyranny of scientism. So that's coming up. Looking forward to that. But there are, as I say, a few stories that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure some of you as well. Uh, and there were several to choose from in the headlines today. Here's one. Nuns in Catholic hospitals head to court over HHS transgender mandate. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals is expected. This is according to an article out of the Washington Examiner. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals is expected to hear arguments uh, Wednesday over whether a health and human services mandate can force religious-based hospitals to perform sex reassignment procedures that could cause harm to patients, plaintiffs say. Earlier this year, President Joe Biden's administration restored federal protections for gay and transgender people, allowing them to sue for sex discrimination health care. The Religious Sisters of Mercy, along with other faith-based hospitals and mercy and medical providers, rather, argue its facilities, quote, routinely provide top-notch care to transgender patients, unquote, contending the HHS mandate should not force it to provide potentially, quote, harmful, unquote, procedures such as sex reassignment surgery for minors. <clears throat> yeah. Amen. We shouldn't be forced to do that. And by the way, um, uh, HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra, a uh, supposed Catholic, should know this, that Catholics have a right to live, to work, to uh, to uh, carry out their their apostolate according to their religious beliefs. But apparently that is not the case, and they are being taken to court over that. Yet another shining example of public uh, Catholic politicians ignoring the plain facts on the uh, natural law issues and, and uh, church teaching. There's another story here out of Breitbart. Facebook admits in court the fact checks are just opinion. I love this. This is really, really good, actually. I, don't, I won't spend too much time on this, but I don't know if you knew that uh, John Stossel has been suing the company because they were fact-checking him about climate change. He actually, he tracked down the fact-checkers, the company who does the actual fact-checking on Facebook or Meta and their platform, and he interviewed some of them on his YouTube channel and asked them very directly, like, what did I say that was wrong or what you didn't like? Or And it turns out he didn't say anything that was incorrect. They just, out of pure politics, don't like it, so he was being uh, censored for that. Well, he is suing them, and it turns out now uh, from Zuckerberg himself that Facebook enjoys protected opinions where you and I, we do not enjoy the same thing. Their fact-checking, air quotes here, their fact-checking is just simply opinion, their opinion of the matter, and they get to keep that. Theirs is protected. Yours isn't. you got to love that kind of hypocrisy. It's very, very good. 
There's another story out. Uh, Fox 13 uh, uh, from Seattle points out the situation is dire. Salvation Army is facing toy and donation shortage ahead of the holidays. In fact, they're saying 75 percent. They're down 75 percent, the Salvation Army. You guys have seen this, right? Every time you go to the Walmart or a store during this time of the year, you got the volunteer out there ringing the bell with a little kettle and you put your money in there. I mean, it's, it goes back so far. It's a, it's a stay of the season for sure. However, um, some people are saying, well, it's just because it's pandemic. Uh, yeah, okay. Others are speculating it might be because they just recently put out a guide to their donors about let's talk about racism. And where they asked all of their uh, donors of Caucasian descent to apologize publicly, to sincerely apologize for their inherent racism and the fact that Christianity is also racist. Golly gee whiz. Did you not think that that might have some ramifications? There might be some consequences to such wokeism. Uh, It brings us back to the old phrase, get woke, go broke. Well, here they are. They're in a desperate situation now uh, for funds as a result to that. But I want to turn to the story over Billie Eilish, as we talked about at the beginning of the program. This is an article out of Breitbart. Pop star Billie Eilish porn says porn is a disgrace destroyed my brain. The article goes on. Uh, I'll read a little bit to you. Pop star Billie Eilish candidly admitted the damage that porn did to her brain and her sex life during an interview with Howard Stern, where she denounced such content as a disgrace. According to Eilish, she began watching porn at a very young age, 11 years old, just two years below the average age children are exposed to it. Let that sink in, causing severe damage to her brain and sexual outlook. Quote, as a woman, I think porn is a disgrace, unquote, Billie Eilish told told Howard Stern. Quote, I used to watch a lot of porn, to be honest. I started watching porn when I was like 11. She goes on to say, I think it really destroyed my brain and I feel incredibly devastated that I was exposed to so much porn, unquote. You know, when you pursue the world, the flesh, and the devil, uh, bad things are going to happen, number one. That's the first thought that comes to mind. And uh, you know, this is an excellent case use of the dub button. I mean, but here's the other thing that really gets me about this story. I, I, as I said at the top of the hour, I have never heard a single song by Billie Eilish. Never, never heard a single one. I don't intend to, and I don't encourage anyone else to as well. However, she was talking to Howard Stern, and this is what gets me. In 95, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was addicted to pornography. I had committed the mortal sin of abortion. I was uh, depressed, and I was suicidal, and I was an incredible train wreck. Um, As a way of trying to help me, my sister encouraged me to go to radio broadcasting school. So I did. My hero at the time was Howard Stern. And the reason why Howard Stern was my hero at the time, the guy that I wanted to most be like, especially in the radio business, because I loved radio as a kid growing up. It was an incredible and fascinating medium. And I thought Howard Stern was was at the top of the heap at the time. And the reason why I wanted to be like him and I thought this was going to be the thing that saves my life was because Howard Stern was hanging out with porn stars all the time on his radio show. He had all of these incredible, fancy, uh, famous people, and he was always, always keeping these porn stars on his show nearby. And I was just so enamored with this lifestyle. And it wasn't until later when Jesus Christ 
in his grace and his mercy, along with my guardian angel, I'm sure, my patron saints, and all of the angels, and uh, as well as Our Lady, had worked such great miracles in my life to bring about my conversion, that my brain had an opportunity to be healed from the devastation of pornography addiction. Because Billie Eilish is correct. It does, in fact, destroy your brain. It Neural pathways are created in your brain to create a chemical connection to your spouse. A bonding actually happens. The two become one physically happens within your brain. That's its intended uh, purpose. But when you break it and misuse it, bad things are going to happen. Imagine if I said, I want you to take a nail and drive it into a board. But instead of using a hammer, I want you to use a glass jar. Imagine what would happen. Bad things would happen. Well, when we take things out of their intended context, their purpose, bad things, we break things. Well, we break people too. When we use people for what they are not designed to do, we break them emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually, metaphysically. In many ways, they are broken. But here's the good news, and I wrote about this in a book uh, that I wrote back in 2014 on overcoming pornography addiction. I did an entire chapter on, uh, on the brain science, and um, the good news is your brain can heal. You have to be clean and clear of pornography addiction for some time, and your brain can reset. Those neural pathways can go back to something that feels very normal. But the reality is while you're addicted to pornography— you will not see the world properly. You will not see human persons as who they are, made in the image and likeness of God. To you, they will be like uh, something to be consumed, a bottle of water. And when we are done with the water, we simply throw it in the garbage, a can. or uh, it, you, you use the analogy and metaphor you wish, but the point is we see humans as objects to be consumed for our personal gratification rather than made in the image and likeness of God. And this is why when we see people, we must remind ourselves about their dignity, God-given dignity. It is one of the techniques we use to combat the temptations that we would face. Uh, and, it, and it's not surprising that this is a woman admitting the damage, a, a woman who is very secular. In fact, as Adrian pointed out at the top of the hour, someone who has embraced all of these demonic imageries and symbols and, and concepts in, in her her work, if you want to call it that. Um, so not a Christian, not somebody who's religious in any way, shape, or form, but someone who has embraced the world, the flesh, and the devil. And she is reeling from the damage of these life choices. It reminds me of other pop stars who have done the same thing. Lady Gaga, uh, she's made similar statements in the past. She's not given up on the lifestyle that she has, you know, criticized and, and lamented. She's still living in that lifestyle. So is Billie Eilish, I, I imagine. So is Howard Stern, by the way. And, uh, you know, one of the things that really shook me about Howard Stern uh, just prior to my own conversion was the fact that his wife left him. She had enough. She was done. She could not compete with this life that he had built, and he was not willing to walk away from that or change anything, and his marriage ended in disgrace. And it didn't matter to him, because the work, his show, his audience, the lifestyle was more important than his own marriage. So we must make careful choices, especially as parents. 
we must make careful choices for our families. You know, in a minute, we're going to be talking to Mark Burness from New Polity about tyranny, tyranny of scientism. Now, he brings up a point in one of his podcasts about the tyranny of the home. Uh, tyrannical societies, uh, we're living under them, whether you uh, understand it or not. You know, and in my home, there are things that I say that my kids would say are very tyrannical. There, I, there's, a, there's a list of things that I will not regret on my deathbed. You're just not going to get me to regret them. I don't care how much you try, squawk about it or whatever. I will not regret these things on my deathbed. Giving my kids more Internet access won't regret it. I'm sorry you're not going to get me to regret that. Giving them connected devices to, to uh, be on social media. I'm not going to regret these. I, I, I just won't. Uh, but, but, Joe, they're, they're growing up in a bubble. Yeah, and? I'm not going to regret not giving my kids more game time on the video game console. I'm just not going to do it. I won't regret giving my kids access to corrupted music and ideas like this. Watching the, the latest and greatest Disney film just because Billy's watching it, then my kids should too. Mm-mm, sorry, not going to regret that. You're not going to get me to regret that on my deathbed. I won't do it. Here's what I will regret on my deathbed. If my kids encountered porn... In my home, when I was on duty, I will regret that. If my kids don't make it to heaven, I'll regret that. Where is her father, young Billy Eilish? Where are her parents? Who was there for her to save her at 11 years old from the horrific disaster that is pornography, the corruption, mental, physical, and spiritual? That is our job to hold the ground. To say this far and no further, pornography is evil. We must stand our ground. We must rebel against this evil to bring about a just society. More on that with Mark Burness from New Polity coming up just after this break and breaking stories with Rudy Carlos. All that's coming your way from Catholic Drive Time. Do us a favor. Share us with a friend. We'll be right back. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. For some couples, praying together is very natural, but for others, prayer may feel awkward or forced. The truth is, there is real power in spouses praying together. So how can couples pray together more? You can begin by blessing each other and your children in the morning, or engage in communal prayer together like the rosary or the mass. You can also ask your spouse, how can you pray for them? Intercede for them and their needs throughout your day as you are driving or cleaning. When parents need guidance in making decisions for the family, this is when the two of you should come before the Lord in faith and ask for help. And when you fall and make poor choices, you should also repent together and ask the Lord for His forgiveness and mercy. Growing in your prayer life is an essential way to develop and deepen your relationship, but also a way for you to support your spouse and love them more profoundly. A threefold cord is not easily broken. To hear more, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's your headline news for today. Epic Times reports Kentucky Governor Bashir announces investigation into candle factory deaths, tornado deaths. At least eight people were killed after the tornado struck the Mayfield Consumer Products Factory, the, pro the company said on Sunday. The candle factory was reduced to rubble amid extreme weather conditions that swept across several Midwestern and Southwestern states Friday night with Mayfield, a city about 10,000, among the hardest hit. The announcement comes amid reports that at least five workers at the factory in Mayfield were told by supervisors that they would be fired if they left work before their shifts ended, NBC News reported. Haley Condor, age 29, among others, told NBC News that team leaders cited safety reasons in preventing anyone from leaving and asked workers to remain in hallways and the bathrooms. She said everyone was sent back to work after supervisors thought the tornado was no, no longer a threat. It's absolutely untrue, spokesman Bob Ferguson said. We've had a policy in place since COVID began. Employees can leave at any time they want and they can return and come back the next day. Ferguson also told supervisors followed said supervisors followed guidelines set by federal emergency management agencies and the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Daily Wire reports Andrew Cuomo must return $5.1 million book profits, New York, ethic, New York ethics body rules. And the Blaze reports GOP lawmakers push legislation that would make it harder to get spending bills through the Senate during periods of soaring inflation. Several Republican lawmakers are backing legislation that would raise the threshold required to move spending bills through the Senate when the nation is experiencing high inflation, like now. The Stop the Inflationary Spending Spree Act would amend the state rule, uh, the, the Senate Rule 20, Senate Rule 22, to increase the voting threshold to two thirds to invoke cloture on general approbation bills during periods that the consumer price index sits during periods that the consumer price index sits above 4%, according to the release. Tennesseans cannot afford the left's endless spending spree, Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee said in a statement. Joe Biden's ra radical economic agenda has resulted in decades-high inflation, and in return, the White House and congressional Democrats have refused to slow their spending. The Stop the Inflationary Spending Spree Act will, will force them to work on bipartisan solutions instead of forcing through increased spending that will hurt our economy. Daily Caller reports China cuts checks to American social media influencers to hype Olympics, downplay boycotts. China's government is paying social media influencers in the U.S. to promote the Beijing Olympics and distract from diplomatic boycotts over its human rights violations, according to disclosures filed with the Department of Justice. The Chinese consulate is paying Vippy, a New Jersey-based public relations firm, $300,000 to have influencers on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitch promote the Beijing Olympics, according to the disclosures. The influencers will also be required to promote, to promote U.S.-China cooperation on issues including energy and climate change. Under the agreement, 70% of paid content from influencers should focus on the Beijing Olympics, as well as its history and culture. Another 20% of the content should focus on China-U.S. cooperation, and 10% should consist on sharing media directly to the Chinese consulate, according to disclosures. State-controlled Chinese media, including China Daily and Xinhua, already spend send millions of dollars attempting to influence American audiences, according to the Washington Free Beacon, which initially reported on the incident. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. We're very grateful to you. Joining us right now via Zoom connection is Mark Burness from New Polity. We're going to, have to be talking about the tyranny of scientism, but I encourage you to check out their website at newpolity.com. Good morning to you, Mark. 
Good morning. Praise be to God. Thank you for your time. Um, tyranny. Uh, when I think when you talk about tyranny, I've been listening to some of your podcast. Uh, I think it may be somewhat different than most people. The average person thinks of tyranny. They, they, I think there might be a different philosophical concept in their mind. So let's start with defining terms. Um, what do you mean by tyranny? Well, yeah, I think you're right. I think most people, when they think tyranny, they think of a tyrant and they think of a sort of invader coming in from the north, maybe. I was going to say Republicans, but okay. But okay. <laughs> well, sure, that's right. Or, <laughs> or if you're a Republican, you're probably thinking of the Democrats. Right. You, sure. you very well might be right, um, because all that tyranny means within the classic philosophical tradition that the church is engaged with is rule for private gain. So it's the use of power, not for the sake of others, the common good. Um, but for the sake of oneself. So it's something that's possible at every level of society, right? As a father can be a tyrant over his children, and obviously a president can be a tyrant over uh, his nation, and this can, this can happen at every, every level of society. So I do think this is a, is a different understanding um, of tyranny, but it's, it's one that's very helpful, I think, for looking at today to say, well, what's the problem with our elite? What's the problem with... Um, those people that we're frustrated with, well, it's that they're using their real power for private gain mm. and not for the common good. So you can, we can argue that we definitely are living in a tyrannical society. Um, that seems to me to be pretty obvious. And, and in one sense, this isn't that alarming. I mean, if it's true that all rule for private gain is tyranny, well, whenever you have vice, you're going to tend towards tyranny because vicious people are selfish people. It takes virtue. It takes the church to break us out of our viciousness so that we'll use our capacities, our power for the common good rather than for ourselves. So it should be no surprise to us that we live under a tyranny um, when our politicians, our rulers, our elite are not formed in virtue, but in vice. Of mm -hmm. course, they're working for private gain. Uh, look how many people that don't have a lot of power are working desperately for private gain. Um, is it any surprise that it, it happens all the way up at the top? No, I don't think so. So, yeah, I think... Um, America is ruled by an elite um, that are largely working for themselves. I don't think that's a I don't think that would be a massive surprise to anyone. But kind of like how we might uh, say a father rules his home like a bishop, a diocese. And uh, and mm -hmm. the, my kids might say that's very tyrannical. And yes. uh, but it doesn't make it less just or good uh, simply because they would have that opinion. Right. Right. I mean, obviously, you can be you can be quite wrong about whether someone's a tyrant or not. And it's interesting because for people who are vicious, who have vices, who are sinful, um, they might often look at justice and think of it as, as tyrannical. Um, and so it's a, something that a whole society goes through. I mean, when um, Aristotle and Aquinas after him look at the different um, ways that a society can be, one of the ways they talk about democracy, they talk about monarchy. One of the ways they talk about is tyranny. And what that means is tyranny is not just one guy at the top. Tyranny is everyone within the society participating in it. Um, so a tyrant can best operate within a society of lots and lots of little tyrants. Um, it takes a lot of vicious people. I mean, you can imagine the opposite. In a society of very virtuous people, if someone tried to rule for private gain rather than the common good, that person would probably be, well, let's say kicked out. <laughs> Whereas in a, in a society in, in which everyone already is working for their private gain and is not considering the common good, 
Well, then you can see how a tyrant um, might very well rise to power. Let's tw- let's uh, transition a bit to speaking specifically about scientism. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about this topic, and you know, and the, the phrase "trust the science" is, is all the rage these days, right? Trust the science. Um, but I, I think of this, and not just in terms of COVID, mask mandates, uh, vaccine yeah. mandates, distancing, lockdowns. All, I mean, there are internment camps in Australia right now for crying out loud. Um, uh, but also the evolutionary outlook so many people have on the world and society around us, transhumanism, transsexuality, homosexuality, abortion, contraception, pornography, and so much more. Um, th- they think in terms of scientism and, it, and as a result, they take science out of context and abuses happen. What say you, Mark Burness? Well, I mean, science has its particular ends of knowledge you know, that, that's what science means. It means it, it, it's a pursuit of knowledge. The trouble is when you reduce everything to science, <clears throat> you don't necessarily know what to do with the knowledge you get. So we live in a really interesting society in which we're very capable of learning things about the natural world. But what we're supposed to do with what we learn is something that we have completely abandoned because the, the forces that told us what to do with science, ethics, religion, the church, really just common sense, those guided um, our scientific discoveries. But when we reduce everything to science, when we say, well, scientific knowledge is only the only real knowledge, the only knowledge worth having, it's the only thing worth developing policy on, it's the only thing uh, worth developing our thought on, well, um, then you, we get the world that we get, which is a world in which we know a lot and we're able to do quite a lot, but we don't know what to do with it. And so we do a lot of uh, foolish things. <clears throat> I think too many of us go along to get along, right? I mean, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I asked you to define terms at the top of our conversation was because, you know, most of us are just trying to make the day work. You know, we got to get to work. We got to take care of what's going to happen there. We still have the issues at home. We have bills to pay, soccer practice to get to, uh, oh. medical appointments to make. And uh, the philosophy tends to be what gets uh, thrown out, you know, uh, the baby with the bathwater kind of thing. It's just too complicated, wouldn't you say? Well, I suppose, but at the same time, I, I do think that people who are formed in virtue, who are pursuing holiness and pursuing an ordered and peaceful life, they are pursuing those means with which to, um, they're pursuing the means to order uh, all the various scientific facts um, that they might have. The, the point is not so much that <clears throat> one should reject scientific studies or scientific data, but it's the point is to say, well, we need to be the kind of people that can deal with scientific data. We need to be a kind of people that can reasonably um, work with the information that's given. Hold that thought. Mark Burness is our guest. New Polity is uh, his website, newpolity.com. On the other side of this very short break, we're going to continue our conversation about the tyranny of scientism, but really, what can we do about it? What ought we be to uh, be doing about it? All of that is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Got to grab them. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is too condemning. It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says, The other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. The Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. 
It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. And the church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils that are condoned by the state. Why? Because sooner or later, it'll be turned against the church. History has shown this to be true more than once. Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. We're having a conversation with Mark Burness from New Polity about the tyranny of scientism, tyranny in general. And I was just thinking as we were coming back from the break about uh, that uh, memes were flying wildly through the Internet a couple of weeks ago about Fauci equating himself to science. And I think this might be a good example of uh, of what we might think of as the tyranny of scientism and how we might take something out of context and then abuses occur. Bad things happen, like terrible memes flying about, for instance. Um, but I, one of the points I was trying to make at the end, uh, right before we went to break with you, Mark, was I think the average person is uh, is probably not thinking too hard on these subjects. And I think some of the consequences of that might be that we can be carried away very quickly by fake news or just the the most popular sentiment on this subject or that. What would you say about that? Yeah, I, I do think I do think that's the case. I think thinking deeply um, isn't something that's reserved for uh, experts. It's not something reserved for philosophers. It's required of every Catholic. I mean, if you are going to be able to judge the world and know what to do, then you have to be able to step back from the flow and stream of life and decide what you believe and what you're going to do with the information you have. Now, I think that our world is designed to stop us from having those moments of thought. I mean, you mentioned social media, obviously, if we're constantly um, consuming and ingesting, um, then we don't really have that time to question, well, what are these algorithmically designed media companies telling me? Like, what is the um, feed that I'm getting? And is it correct? You know, so I think Catholics should always practice silence, prayer, <clears throat> and just being in the presence of God in order to have control and mastery over this flow of information, especially within a scientific age. Uh, Mr. Burns, I have a, a question for you. Um, the purpose of, uh, of laws in a society is to order people to the common good. And um, nowadays we see laws that are really restrictive. Uh, for example, uh, you know, regarding COVID, there are many laws, vaccine mandates, for example, that are uh, being imposed on people at this moment in, in the name of science. Uh, what is your take on how science is often misused to promote uh, unjust mandates on people? 
Right. I mean, it's the idea that the knowledge alone is sufficient to answer the question of what we're supposed to do with, with that knowledge. And I, I don't think that's at all the case. I mean, if, if you look at vaccine mandates, it's been clear from the church, it's clear within a, a, the writings of Aquinas that a law that has um, no exemptions, that has no possibility of exemptions, um, is simply not a just law. Uh, this is a human attempt at imitating divine law, that is to say, to give give law in the way that God gives it. Obviously, we realize, well, there's no exemption to something like thou shalt not murder, right? But um, this isn't the case with any kind of human law that we craft. There always has to be an attention to circumstance, to person, to time. You know, the Catholic tradition is based on the fact that laws change and should change to become more just and that they should be enacted by just rulers. And we don't, we don't really have these concepts in our society anymore, but it's, the truth still remains. So when, when you have these, uh, and the point perhaps is this, that within a scientismistic society, no one is even asking these questions, right? I mean, when we have the information, so we make the law, and there's no other source of knowledge that is brought to bear upon the pressing problems of our day. Um, there's simply science and action and nothing in between. And what the Catholic needs to be able to do is to say, yes, of course there's science. We're looking at the effects of this uh, disease and we're looking at the effects of natural immunity and of the effectiveness of the vaccines and the boosters. And we're coming to decisions, but nowhere in this is there room for saying, we have the definitive answer and can make a law that a priori has no exemptions built into it or has no possibility of being um, waived in a particular case. Uh, this is this is simply unjust on the face of it. You know, uh, one thing that really struck me or strikes me, I guess, is the fact that I mean, we it would be better, in my opinion, if we did have a government that was a scientism, a scientific uh, oligarchy. Because what we have is is not even science. It's anti-science as well upon all the other errors that we have. And I'm thinking most uh, clearly of the uh, like the, the queer theory of that comes up about promoting this LGBT ideology that men can become women. There's no difference between a man and a woman. All this uh, these liberal um, ideologies. How how does that fit into this system? Because it seems almost anti or not almost but it is anti-scientific how does this fall into the same regime well like we said at the beginning tyranny is rule for private gain it's the use of power for private gain and because we are who we are the word science has a lot of power i mean go ahead and try it try acting in the name of christianity and see how many people obey you uh, I, my suspicion is that it would be very few, but, but try acting in the name of science and then people um, are different. And it's because we are a society, America is a society that is founded on a principle of scientific um, knowledge and expansion um, ever since really Francis Bacon. Uh, this is kind of in our, in our bones. So when, when you see people, um, <laughs> making dubious claims in the name of science, on the one hand, it's alarming, but on the other hand, it, it shows that science is a, is a tool. Science is um, a powerful weapon in our society. And it's not so much that you have to be good at doing it in order to wield the tool. I mean, this is what we've seen, right? You simply have to have enough, just a little bit um, 
of scientific knowledge to be able to claim that you are acting in the name of science and that this is sufficient to grab its power. But again, I mean, this is, this is why we need more than just the scientific work in order to have a just society, because if, all, if we reduce everything to scientific questions, then anyone who can claim that their question is scientific or their answer is scientific um, will wield the same amount of power as a genuine scientist who's working extremely hard to find the truth about reality. Um, we offer it up. We offer up the power of science to thugs when we have a scientismistic society. Whereas uh, in a just society, we had we would have other ways, ethical, religious ways of determining. Okay, who's just wielding science like a club? And who's doing the real work? You know, just the other day, uh, CDC and World Health Organization both came out and said they had no, not a single shred of data on a single death case from Omicron. Uh, uh, later that same day, the UK reported there was at least one death from Omicron. So one person worldwide. And yet uh, Omicron was being used to discuss increasing the number of booster shots you get. Indoor mask mandates now in California, further lockdowns uh, in several states and around the world. And we're seeing massive rallies all over Europe and beyond. Not so much here in America, but in Europe for sure. Massive rallies, thousands and thousands of people coming together to protest things like the Green Pass and, and uh, vaccine mandates and and all of those types of things. So let me turn in the minutes we have left with you to talk about uh our obligation to rebel against injustice. Uh, I've heard you talk about this in some of your podcasts. What do you mean by that? Well, everyone has an ob obligation to rebel against injustice and to rebel against tyrants. I mean, this can seem perhaps confusing because often we have so little power vis-a-vis -vis the tyrant, then that means that our rebellion isn't as glamorous as we might hope, right? Sort of taking out the arms and the flag isn't really possible here. I mean, the Christian is always obliged to rebel prudently, right? To not simply create worse evils by resisting authorities um, and to only resist unjust authorities um, who are no authority at all. Um, and we know this, I mean, every kid in the playground who doesn't stand up to someone picking on the weak is in some way responsible. I mean, I mean, there's, there's a rebellion against unjust uses of power that's required of us. Mm. Um, and if we don't do it, we'll be held to judgment. And I think that's true. Now in reference to the specific um, rebellions that you're talking about, I mean, some of this has to be a rebellion against the manufacturing of fear um, because you're right. I mean, we're, we are using every bit of, new information to predict um, disastrous outcomes uh, and running it through a media machine that is essentially profiting um, the wealthy who are profiting from us keeping our ourselves in our homes and ordering everything off Amazon. This is obvious. <laughs> so <laughs> the longer we do this, um, the more I think that these rebellions are going to be and protests are, are going to be necessary. Um, if we're not going to um, end up simply giving all power and control um, over to a very, very small number of people. I'm a little concerned about the, the solution being worse than the problem, uh, so to speak, <laughs> when it comes to rebellions. Uh, I think of uh, 
Castro's rebellion in Cuba or Mao's rebellion in China. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, the 1917 Bolshevik revolution in, in Russia didn't turn out all that great. I mean, the, mm. on and on and on. Every, the, every uh, example we can probably come up with, the the, <laughs> the solutions were, pro, were worse than uh, the problem itself. So part of my fear as a dad, as a husband, as a leader and protector of the family is to trust the society around me in, in, in an effort to protect my family. So maybe you can speak to that. You got about a minute before we have to say goodbye, but uh, maybe you can speak sure. to that sentiment about as Catholics, trusting secular minded people to come up with truly just solutions. Well, I wouldn't do that. I mean, it's true that a tyranny always involves everyone, which means that if you have a vicious society that's vicious enough to produce and tolerate tyrants to begin with, then it's not going to be the best society to wage a rebellion against them. You look through history and most rebellions, in fact, are people uh, putting up other tyrants to replace them. And you're right. The revolutionaries are often the worst tyrants after the tyrants. Um, so what we need is a Christian rebellion, which doesn't do that. Um, a Christian rebellion is motivated by just society and wants to enact it. What we are not motivated by it is simply the fact that we don't happen to have that power used viciously, that we want it for ourselves, that we want the money and the power for ourselves. And this is not... The Christian mode of rebellion. The Christian mode of rebellion is martyrdom. It says, okay, there's a tyrant and I will suffer him for the sake of the weak, for the sake of others, and look forward to the day when his power is broken. Amen. We are out of time. Mark Burness from New Polity, newpolity.com. Thank you for your time today. God bless you. God love you and have a great day. Yeah, goodbye. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us for hour number two, we would love to have you. You can watch live online if you wish grnonline.com forward slash cdt thank you for joining us on drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite catholic radio station don't forget to connect with us just go to facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time again that's facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a literal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation. Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside, in order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. 
Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Wednesday, December the 15th, and it's uh, there, It's an Ember Day. So I forgot to mention that last hour, but it's uh, we have Ember Days this week. So congratulations. What a great opportunity to uh, offer something up today. We'll talk more about that probably in the uh, after show. So stick around if you can. The second half of this hour is what we call the after show, where we hang out with you on the live video feed. So Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey, we're also live on our website as well. You can find the links all there at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. By the way, I found a very cool thing to share in the CDT Insider email list this week. Some, uh, It's going to be Christmas related. I know. It's Advent. I, I'm aware. Trust me. Okay. The, the guilt I feel for promoting Christmas too early is, uh, is very uh, acute to me. However, I found a very cool old-school radio drama on Christmas to share with you, and I'm super excited about that. So make sure you're on our email list if you want to get that in your inbox on Thursday. So just go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And I will. you can go to the CDT Insider email link, and you can sign up to the email list. It's super fast. And by the way, we also give you a free talk right away as just a thank you for joining the list from Father Bill Casey from the Fathers of Mercy, a powerful 30-minute talk on the State of the Union of the Church, where we're at, where we're headed. So just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to join that email list, and you will get this very cool radio drama on uh, on Christmas in uh, on Thursday. It's going to happen on Thursday. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, everyone. Praise be to God. A great comment from one of our CDT insiders, Sci-Fi Mike, over on Odyssey. Uh, we were talking behind the scenes about, uh, you know, various uh, tyranny of scientism type of things, and I was talking about the guy from Marshall from California who's been trying to put a bill through Congress to ensure that natural immunity is considered. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sci-Fi Mike says... Wow, there's at least two people who still have common sense in Cali- from California, but the jury's still out on Rudy. That's what he said. <laughs> Mike, 
Look, man, you're being a bully, man. You're hurting my feelings. Ouch. Ouch. My sensitive California feelings. Speaking of uh, sensitivities, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Man, I'm seeing I'm seeing a pattern here. A pattern? Annoying Ooh. and sensitive today. What? Ouch. mad at you. No, today. no. That's I know. Not, I wasn't I know. trying I'm to hurt. infer. I'm hurt. Wait, I, I guess I am sensitive. <laughs> I suppose I am. <laughs> Well, despite the fact that Joe said I am annoying and sensitive today, <laughs> it is still good to be here. Praise be to God. In spite of it, it all. Is, uh, it is good suffering for a, a holy day. It's an ember day. a fasting day. For what's a what's day. an ember day, Adrian? An ember day is a day we can offer up for the uh, for vocations, a fasting. It happens during the change of seasons. And mm-hmm. this one happens after Lu- Saint, the Feast of St. Lucy. So that's an easy way to remember. Yeah. And you can, uh, so Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, days of fasting and penance. Uh, and abstinence. So go ahead and do that if you are able today. Praise and if you have already eaten, then uh, you can just start now. Start like like right now. New opportunity. Right now. Now? Mm-hmm. Right now. Don't wait. Now? Don't wait till Friday. Start now. How about now? Uh, now is good. It could now work? Uh, in th- three seconds, it can work. <laughs> All right. We won't keep going down that rabbit hole. So today, first? Friday and Saturday, Ember Days, fasting and abstinence. That's a great opportunity. All right. We're going to jump in. We have a good news story to share with you here in a moment. And then, of course, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show coming up at 15 past. We'll do a Saint of the Day and Gospel of the Day first. And then, as I said, we'll do an after show in the second half of the hour. Let's pray. Uh, today for your intentions, dear listener, whatever's on your heart, whatever your challenges are, we're going to ask Our Lady to come to your intercession. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Rudy Carlos. Here's your good news story for the day. Upworthy reports one man packed his grill and drove to a tornado-leveled Kentucky town to feed the people. After historic tornadoes tore through towns throughout Kentucky, Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, and Illinois Friday night, people were stunned to see the aftermath in the light of day on Saturday morning. The devastation is hard to fathom. Scenes of buildings and an entire city blocks leveled are hard to take in, but Mayfield, Kentucky, where an entire town was ravaged, has become the viral face of the destruction. The New York Times shared a video showing the apocalyptic aftermath in Mayfield, home to nearly 10,000 people. It looks like a war zone or worse, an entire community laid flat. As messages of support started pouring in and emergency management began the taunting task of figuring out the next step, uh, the next steps, one man who lived a half an hour away decided to take a boots on the ground approach and help the people of Mayfield in a way that he could. Jim Finch packed up his grill, loaded up the back of his pickup truck with food and drove to Mayfield to, in his words, feed the people. ABC journalist Victor Ordonez shared a video on Twitter of Finch in the middle of the destruction, standing in front of his grill in disposable gloves, explaining why he was there. He says, quote, I know they don't have any electricity, so that means they won't have any restaurants, no running water. So I figured I would do what I could do and show up with some food and water. 
unquote. Finch brought hamburgers, chicken, chicken, sausages, eggs, and just simple stuff that you could have and not worry about making a mess. Grab-and-go type of food, he said. Jim wore a smile the whole morning. We laugh when I asked if he had a restaurant. He shook his head. I just needed to be here, Victor Ordonez from the Ordonez Times said. Humans helping fellow humans in a time of crisis is something we never tire of seeing. People are praising Finch as a hero, a selfless person who saw a need and decided to feel it, to fill it. In times of extreme crisis, basic needs like food and shelter become more immediate and vital than ever. And for the people who are reeling from their world literally being torn apart, the simple, thoughtful kindness of being handed a warm meal from a stranger is surely appreciated. And that reminds me of the gospel according to Matthew chapter 25, 31. And when the Son of Man shall come in his majesty and all the angels with him, then he shall sit upon the seat of his majesty, and all nations shall be gathered together before him, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd separateth the sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall say the king to them that shall be on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, possess you the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and ye gave me to eat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in, naked, and you covered me, sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then shall the just answer him, saying, Lord, when did I see thee hungry, and feed thee, thirsty, and give thee drink? And when did we see a stranger, and take thee in, or naked, and covered thee? And when did we see thee sick, or in prison, and came to thee? And the king answering shall say to them, Amen, I say to you, as long as you did it to one of these, my least brethren, you did it to me. I hope more people see what Jim did and, and are inspired to help their neighbors in need. And that was your good news story for the day. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Maria de Rosa. She was born on November 6th, 1813. And here is a brief story from her life. The pounding on the barricaded door in the, of the military hospital sent every heart thudding in terror. In the middle of the war in Bresca, Italy in 1848, the wounded, sick, and those who cared for them knew what the pounding meant. The shouts from beyond the door came from soldiers not obeying any command, but their inner desire to destroy and plunder. Who could do anything to stop them? The only people who were, who were there were some sisters, the handmaids of charity, who devoted themselves to helping the sick. The doctors had not even wanted them there. The doctors wanted medical people who were secular and military, not nuns. And in the face of this new danger, they were even more useless, worse than useless, because that Paula de Rosa was actually moving to open the door. When the door swung wide, the soldiers saw their way blocked with a great crucifix held by Paula de Rosa and two candles held by two of the six sisters who stood by her. Suddenly their frenzy to destroy disappeared and full of shame before the display of courage and faith, they slunk back into the shadows. She was born in 1813. She had tackled enormous projects from the time she was 17, arranging retreats and special missions for her parish and setting up a women's guild. Because of all she accomplished when she was only 24, she was asked to be supervisor of a workhouse for poor girls. She later quit the workhouse to set up a boarding house for poor girls while helping her brother with a school for the deaf and mute. At 27, she stood before another door. She was appointed superior of the Handmaids of Charity a religious society whose purpose was to dedicate all their time and attention to the suffering in hospitals. Then in 1848, her whole life seemed to fall apart. War started in Europe and her homeland was invaded and her closest friends died. 
War meant that many people would be wounded and displaced by the war. And so she and her sisters went to work at a military hospital and even went out to the battlefield to give spiritual and physical comfort to the wounded and the dying. She died at a hospital in Brescia, Bresca on the 15th of December, 1855, after suffering from a prolonged illness. She was canonized by Pope Pius XII on the 12th of June, 1954. St. Maria de Rosa, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 23. At that time, John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? When the men came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? At that time, Jesus cured many of their diseases, sufferings, and evil spirits. He also granted sight to many who were blind, and Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. The poor have the good news proclaimed to them, and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose said, Mystically, John was the type of the law, which was the forerunner of Christ. John then sends his disciples to Christ, that they might obtain the filling up of their knowledge. For Christ is the fulfilling of the law. And perhaps those disciples are the two nations, of whom the one of the Jews believed, the other of the Gentiles believed, because they heard. They wished then to see because blessed are the eyes that see. But when they shall have come to the gospel and found that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, then shall they say, we have seen with our own eyes, for we seem to ourselves to see him we read of. Or perhaps through their instrumentality of a certain part of the body, we all seem to have traced out the course of our Lord's passion, for faith comes to the few, to the many. Close quote. St. Ambrose, pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Yeah, so one thing I'll bring up is the fact that the people who are following John the Baptist, this was incredibly important because they thought that John the Baptist was a Messiah. Even though John the Baptist said over and over again, hey, yo, I'm not the Messiah. I am not worthy of tying the shoes of the Messiah who is to come. Uh, then everybody was like, okay, Messiah, whatever you say, Messiah. Uh, but he was like, no, it's not me. And so this is very important because John, when he hears from prison, hey, this is this Jesus guy is doing these things, which, you know, that's his cousin. Uh, he's, he tells his disciples, go see him. Go ask him if he's a Messiah, the one who uh, is to come, who will come. And they go and they do it. Why does John the Baptist do this? This is uh, uh, Joe mentioned this in the first hour. But what? why did he do this? Well, uh, Jerome says that the reason why is he said, he did not come, art thou who has come, but art thou who wilt come. And what does this mean? This means... Are you the one who's going to come later on into limbo, into the uh, place of the fathers and announce the coming? Or should I do it? Should I, when I head down to, because I'm about to die, should I go down to limbo of the fathers and tell Adam and Eve and tell Moses and tell David and tell Abraham uh, that you are about to come, that we will be freed from the place of Abraham's bosom? Is this the time for us? 
Should I tell everybody? Or will you come down? Or is it not worthy that you should come down? Are you too great and wonderful? Should death not even touch you? Because John the Baptist knew who our Lord was. He saw the dove descending upon him, but yet he did not know how everything would play out. He was not certain of this. And finally, he did this in order that whenever he dies, that his disciples would finally realize who Christ was, who Jesus was. And they would realize and they would follow him and not rather than John. And I think uh, that is something important to note. Let's be followers of Christ. Amen. Well said. All right. Praise be to God. We are going to go to a break and it's time to play our game Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show where it's fun and prizes are at stake and you could win. All you need to do is be our caller. Right now, the phone lines are open waiting for your call at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is coming up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church, with over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. But I can't tell you what my secrets are, at least not yet, because her phones are decided to act up. So if you've been trying to call in, well, thank you for that. We're, we're very grateful to you, but 
we had to reboot the phone system twice already this morning. So why don't you try right now? The phone number is 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open. Let's uh, let's pray they work out this time. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Yesterday it was our uh, our little you know audio button system. Today it's our phone lines. 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open. Waiting for your call at 877-757-9424. While we're waiting for a phone call to come through to be our contestant, sorry about the phone problems, let me just tell you there are a few secret hidden agenda items we like to do during the game show. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you never know. You might learn something new about your faith that you just never knew before. Praise be to God. Number two, we like to uh, have fun with our callers, and they tend to be great. They, they're fun. They're laughing with us, and we enjoy that part, uh, of course, probably more than anything. And then we like to give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Rudy, what could they win this week? Well, this week we have a generous prize from Chris Lewis, who's the illustration behind Baritus, an artistic project dedicated to preserving the legacy of our rich Catholic artistic traditions, but in a way that resonates today. He is generally sponsored this week's game show with some beautifully illustrated prayer cards. I love his illustrations, by the way. He's just a, a fantastic artist, very much uh, set a niche in Catholic art today. Wow. Praise be to God yeah. for that. All right. Well, thank you, Baratus, for your generous sponsoring of our game show. We're very grateful to you. Now, the reason why our callers don't need to know any correct answers and could still possibly win is because I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian these three trivia questions, and one of them will be correct and the other will be incorrect. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Let's go to the phone lines that uh, eventually did work. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Rhonda. Oh, good morning. Good Pra morning, everyone. Praise be to good God, morning. Rhonda. We're glad that you're uh, on the show today. Thank you for calling in. Where are you calling from? Uh, Houston. Houston, Texas. Nice. Yeah. We, we love that place. Praise be to God. Where do you we go to church? Um, St. Francis Cabrini. St. Francis Cabrini. Uh, it's a very popular parish. We get a lot of calls from St. Francis Cabrini. I think it's because Adrian was baptized there. Pretty sure. Oh, Probably. Could, There's got to be a connection. Could be. Could be. Could be. I, have to, I have to admit, I think I've been to Adrian's church, too, which is St. Luke the Evangelist, I believe. And oh, I, that's I like another it. one of his churches. Yes. yes. I used to go there. And I don't I, go there anymore, but I used to go there. Well, praise oh, be to God. Okay. Well, all right, Rhonda. Now, you, you are familiar with the rules, right? You know how this works. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. I am. <laughs> all right. Uh, Rudy's new here. And by the way, he's going to be a Houstonian in just a few weeks from now. He's moving to, uh, oh, okay. to the great city of Houston, Texas. So, uh, okay, well, great. go well, easy great. on him a little bit. Uh, we don't know how tricky he is, but I am on your side here. So let's see if we can get you into the cup of divine providence. We're going to go with Rudy, as is our custom. Rudy, are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> oh, uh, man. I'm so hyped. Up. <laughs> Can you hear that? What if he's not ready? <laughs> well, that's a good question. What, what then? What do we do then? Rudy, uh, can you tell me? Is justice one of the four cardinal virtues? Yes, it is. Uh, pretty solid simple answer, answer, I guess. Pretty yes. simple, straightforward. Gee, I wonder what Adrian's going to say. Justice. Let's ask. Adrian, can you tell me, 
Is justice one of the four cardinal virtues? One of the four cardinal virtues. That's uh, faith, hope, and charity, so no. No. You're, you're going to say no. I'm going to say no. I didn't see that coming. I mean, wow. Okay. How would you have guessed? I don't know. College you is. Uh, all right, so here is the deal, Rhonda. When it comes to cardinal virtues, the question is, is justice one of them? Adrian seems to think it's not, whereas Rudy seems to think it is. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Who is just? Rhonda, what say you? Uh, this is a total, complete guess. I'm going to go with Rudy. <laughs> Survey Dude. says... You've chosen wisely. I can see that was a tricky question, though, Adrian. Faith, hope, and charity is like, uh, that could be like an easy answer to go with, I would imagine. Only there's only three of them and not four. Right, yes. That's, that that <laughs> was the giveaway. That was the rub. <laughs> Math. Some good doozies before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you are right. You well, well chosen, Rhonda. You're in the coffee Thank cup. You. you might win now. Praise be to God. We'll have to see, but we'll we'll see if we can't double your chances with this next question. We're gonna go to Adrian with this one. Adrian, can you tell me? Yes. On what day of the year does uh-huh. the adoration of the cross take place? Okay. Let me think. Okay. The adoration mm-hmm. of the cross yeah. will happen on Good Friday. Good Friday. Mm-hmm. You go up and you venerate the cross. Nice. Mm-hmm. Sounds reasonable. It sounds reasonable to me, too. Mm, okay. Well, let's see what Rudy says. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me, on what day of the year does the adoration of the cross take place? I'm sorry, I can't tell you that. Just what? kidding. Oh, like you won't tell me, or you're not going to tell you're you? You're not able to tell me. I don't want to participate. Is it because the California doesn't allow you to speak on religious things publicly? I'm just curious. How does this Look, work? Governor Newsom is behind me right now, so <laughs> he's only not answer. My answer is Corpus Christi, though, because on Corpus really? Christi, Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi, mm-hmm. Rice Krispies, mm-hmm. <laughs> we we venerate the body of. Christ on the cross. Great town, by the way, in Texas. I mm. like that town, yeah. Corpus Christi. Mm-hmm. Named after the body of Christ. You got to love it. All right, True. so your answer is Corpus Christi. Yes. Uh, all right, so Rhonda, here is the deal. Uh, Rudy seems to think the answer is Corpus Christi, whereas Adrian says adoration of the cross takes place on Good Friday. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Rhonda, what say you? Uh, Adrian. Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> you got it. You got it. Nice. Easy. You got it. You didn't sound too confident that time, Rhonda. You're like, oh, Adrian. Well, I kind of, I, 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 I thought I do, but then I thought to myself, I know there's a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not trying to trick you, Rhonda. Well. well. <laughs> We would never. No. That would be unjust. That's a, Not that's us. That's okay. Like, like Jesus teaches, I love my neighbor as myself, so I love you guys anyway. Wow. <laughs> anyway, anyway, despite the fact. In spite of it all. <laughs> I love that. Praise be to God. All right, Rhonda. Well, you're in for two. You are doing excellent here. You're avoiding all the pitfalls, you. and you're getting them right, so praise be to God. I think we're going to go for a, a perfect score today. With this third question, we're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, here we go again. We need to shorten the, the ramp up. Rudy, uh, can you tell me what liturgical color represents penance 
and is worn during Advent and Lent. Yes, definitely black. The color of ashes, penance. You put the ashes over your head. You feel so sorry for what you've done. You're hardcore, black. man. Wow. Black is the color. Do you, uh, just curious, do you, do you, do you flagellate yourself? I'm just, you can tell me. It's just us. Yeah, it's true. You do? Wow. That's hardcore. All right, black. You're saying black is the color. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me what liturgical color represents mm-hmm. penance and mm-hmm. is worn during mm-hmm. Advent and right. Lent? Mm-hmm. Right. Advent and Lent, which are penitential seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That would be violet. Violet. Not purple. Violet. Interesting mm-hmm. distinctions. Yep. Violet. Hmm. Monsignor would get mad at me whenever I said it was purple. <laughs> would he really? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. He said it's violet, not purple. <laughs> it's not pink. It's rose. Mm-hmm. All right. So violet is your answer. It is. Okay. That is uh, my answer. Rhonda, here's the deal. Adrian says violet is the color of penance during Advent and Lent, whereas Rudy's like, no, it's black. It's got to be black. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Rhonda, what say you? I'm going to say Adrian. More confident this time. <laughs> easy. Wow. Easy. That, that is so easy. That one. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Praise be to God, no Rhonda. Problem. Well, perfect score. Purple. <laughs> perfect score. Now, pop quiz, Rhonda. Um, we still have nine days before we are forced to have to listen to Christmas music and, and decorate. Have you decorated yet, Rhonda? Well, um... Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes and no. I mean, yes, we, I mean, yes, we have yes, we have decorated. However, um, I told my husband one year that uh, I said, you know what? I said we're we're a Catholic family and we need to get by an, an Advent wreath. There and you so go. We did, and so we have our Advent wreath. Out. Well done. Well said. Well so, played, Rhonda. I like how you, uh, you know. always find the balance. Praise be to God. All right, Rhonda. God love you. Thank you for playing our game. We're going to put you on hold, make sure we get your phone number, but uh, you're always a lot of fun. God love you, and have a great day. Thank you. You too. You guys too. That is going to do it for the radio side of our show. Thank you for hanging out with us and having a laugh. Uh, We'd love to hang out with you for the after show if you can. Jump on our live video feed, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We're also on Odyssey or grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today is Wednesday of the third week of Advent. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. O come, O come, Emmanuel. 
and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here, until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to you, O Israel. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty, Almighty God, God and to, to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that the coming solemnity of your Son may bestow healing upon us in this present life and bring us the rewards of life eternal. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. I am the Lord, there is no other. I form the light and create the darkness. I make well-being and create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. Let justice descend, O heavens, like dew from above. Like gentle rain, let the skies drop it down. Let the earth open and salvation bud forth. Let justice also spring up. I, the Lord, have created this. For thus says the Lord, the creator of the heavens, who is God, the designer and maker of the earth, who established it, not creating it to be a waste, but designing it to be lived in. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Who announced this from the beginning, and foretold it from of old? Was it not I, the Lord, besides whom there is no other God? There is no just in saving God, but me. Turn to me and be safe, all you ends of the earth, for I am God, there is no other. By myself I swear, uttering my just decree and my unalterable word. To me every knee shall bend, by me every tongue shall swear, saying, Only in the Lord are just deeds and power. Before him in shame shall come all who vent their anger against him. 
and the Lord shall be the vindication and the glory of all the descendants of Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let the, let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth the Savior. Let the, Let the clouds, clouds rain down, down the just one, and the earth bring forth the Savior. I will hear what God proclaims, the Lord, for he proclaims peace to his people. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him, glory dwelling in our land. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a Savior. Kindness and truth shall meet, justice and peace shall kiss. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and justice shall look down from heaven. Let, Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a Savior. The Lord himself will give his benefits. Our land shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him, and salvation along the way of his steps. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a Savior. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Raise your voice and tell the good news. Behold, the Lord comes with power. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? When the men came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask you, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? At that time Jesus cured many of their diseases, sufferings, and evil spirits. He also granted sight to many who were blind. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and dead are raised. The poor have good news proclaimed to them, and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Rorate, chaili dei super, et nubes pluant justum. You heavens, open from above that clouds may rain down the just one. This is the, both the responsorial psalm, but it is also kind of the, besides the O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is the Advent hymn of the church. You, you clouds, you heavens, open from above, that clouds may rain down the just one. These, this, this, anti, this antiphon or this uh, Advent hymn is kind of an icon of Advent theology. And it's the theology of preparation for the sacraments. Uh, the sacraments are given ex opere operato. They're given in an objective form. In, like there's an infinite amount of grace that is given in the Eucharist. However, 
according to the disposition of the receiver, or as I say in Latin, non obex ponentibus, if you do not posit an obstacle, or as St. Augustine says, according to desire. You've got to want God for him to come into your heart. And if you don't want him, he's not going to intrude. He's not, gonna, he's not going to force himself. And that's why Jesus gives this beautiful maxim, Blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. Blessed is the one who gives no obstacle to the infinite grace of the sacraments. Uh, you know, it's, it really is according, you're given according to your desire. And so part of Advent is stoking this holy desire. This, this whole third week of Advent, particularly when we had Gaudete Sunday, the Rejoice Sunday, everything is about holy joy and holy desire. And if you want God, and not only if you want God, but to the degree to which you long that God would come in your heart, you will have him. However, there's a, a resistance that you have to deal with. It's called the old man, the old nature. Uh, Pope John Paul in his Theology of the Body called this a kind of uh, uh, resentment to chastity. Now, chastity is just one area. Purity is just one area. But... If you have a holy desire that's stronger than any lust, guess what? The holy desire for God is going to burn away any kind of other lust or anything else that is there. But this is also true with humility. If you really, really have this pure intention that God would reign supreme in your heart, it's going to cast away any other like foul thoughts about other people. And I find particularly people need this now more than ever in the church. You have to ask Jesus to give you his desire to see God in the church. You have to ask Jesus to give you his desire to see God in the church. Because the longing of Jesus to have his church holy is a, a consuming fire. It's, a, it's an aurora of mighty oceans. And you have to allow this to take over because otherwise, gets if, if not, you, your heart, instead of being full of worship of God's majesty, becomes full of concerns, preoccupations, and anxieties that aren't your job. It's not your job to look after the church. It's not your state in life to worry about this, that, or the other thing in the church. And you waste a colossal amount of time getting consumed with things that are not your job. It's not, as a, the expression goes, not your circus, not your monkeys. It's not your, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with you. It's God's problem. And so if you have that same desire for that Jesus has to see uh, God, see holiness in the church, but also in your different church relationships, in your marriage, do you long to see God in your spouse? Do you demonize your children or do you long to see God in your, in your little ones? Or do you long to see God in the people that God has given you? This is our Advent work. This is our Advent hymn. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may be consumed with the holiness and the, the majesty of God. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders, for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the sick, the suffering, the poor, 
for the lame, the blind, those in need of purity and holiness. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for all of our beloved dead. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful, uh, immaculate desire of the immaculate heart of Mary, as we pray, Hail Mary, mm -hmm. full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Wake, awake, the night is flying. The watchmen on the heights are crying. Awake, Jerusalem, at last. Midnight hears the welcome voices, and at the thrilling cry rejoices. Come forth, ye virgins, night is past. The bridegroom's at the door. Your lambs with gladness take. Alleluia. And for his marriage feast prepare, for you must go to meet him there. Zion hears the watchman singing, and all her heart with joy is springing. She wakes, she rises from her gloom, for her Lord comes down all glorious, the strong in grace and truth victorious. Her star is risen, her light is come. Ah, come, thou blessed Lord, O Jesus, Son of God. Alleluia. We follow till the halls we see where thou hast bid us up with thee. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. May the sacrifice of our worship, Lord, we pray, be offered to you unceasingly to complete what was begun in sacred mystery and powerfully accomplish for us your saving work through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord, for he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh, and so fulfilled the design you formed long ago, and opened for us the way to eternal salvation that when he comes again in glory and majesty and all's at last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which we now dare to hope. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, 
Pleni suncelia terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant, Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom, 
There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Procepti salutaribus moniti, et divini institutioni formati, audehemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon Behold, our Lord will come with power, and will enlighten the eyes of his servants. an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O come, divine Messiah, 
The world in silence waits the day when hope shall sing its triumph and sadness flee away. Dear Saviour, haste, come, come to earth, dispel the night, and show your face, and bid us hail the dawn of grace. O come, divine Messiah, the world in silence waits the day when hope shall sing its triumph and sadness flee away. O Christ, whom nations sigh for, whom priest and prophet long foretold, come break the captive fetters, redeem the long-lost fold. Dear Saviour, haste, come, come to earth, dispel the night, and show your face, and bid us hail the dawn of grace. O come, divine Messiah, the world in silence waits the day, when hope shall sing its triumph, and sadness flee away. You come in peace and meekness, and lowly will your cradle be. All clothed in human weakness shall we your Godhead see. Dear Saviour, haste, Come, come to earth, dispel the night, and show your face, and bid us hail the dawn of grace. O come, divine Messiah, the world in silence waits the day, when hope shall sing its triumph, and sadness flee away. Let us pray. We implore your mercy, Lord, that this divine sustenance may cleanse us of our faults and prepare us for the coming peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. People, look east, the time is near of the crowning of the year. Make your house fair as you are able. Trim the hearth and set the table. People, look east and sing today. Love, the guest is on the way. Furrows be glad, the earth is bare. One more seed is planted there. Give up your strength, a seed to nourish, that in course the flower may flourish. People look east and sing today. Love, the rose is on the way. Stars keep the watch when night... The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. 
be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.